0: The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We are answering important Packer questions after week three. Are the Brewers the most disappointing team in baseball? Also, why I'm thankful for the Milwaukee Bucks after a very interesting media day across the NBA Lastly, we'll do a little Chuck's Corner. We'll do a check-in about the Milwaukee Pod. I want to talk a little bit also about Eagle Park buying the IP of Milwaukee Brewing. First day in the burbs, you know, just a up life update uh, at the end of today's show. Before we get going, uh, you guys know where to find us on social media, Tabby Keg on Twitter, Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Speaking of TikTok, we hit 500, uh, that was a goal I wanted to get right before football. Uh, we didn't get there because obviously it's three weeks in. Uh, we've been getting some really good response on sort of the big highlight after the Packer game. Uh, something that I obviously see as a trend going forward. Uh, something that I'll probably keep doing uh, as the season goes on, probably try to see if the Bucks it hits the same way as the kids would say. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been awesome, man. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, make sure that if you're not following along, that you do. Uh, hopefully, the next 500s a little quicker. Hopefully, we can build it. I I keep telling myself if I want to do you know non-Wisconsin sports. Like if I if I just because like today's a great example of it. There really isn't much going on Wisconsin wise. Uh, there was no brewer game last night. Um, there is not really any sort of pack or big headline out of this, I guess Jay or Alexander. So it's like, do I dip my toes elsewhere? Um, I've seen success from other people who've done it. Um, so it's a question of, do I want to? And I do have something to load it up. So maybe I just do it, say fuck it and uh, go forward. But yeah, following on TikTok, I appreciate it. Uh, we'll stick to mostly Wisconsin sports. And then lastly, um, make sure that you're rating and reviewing. Uh, Also, if you are new to the program, if you're joining us uh, after our Aaron Rodgers Tic Tac video or the Lazard video, uh, that picked up a little more steam this week, uh, make sure that you are following, you know, subscribed, uh, that you're, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify. We're really on wherever you get your podcasts. Um, So make sure that you're doing the damn thing there and we appreciate your support. All right, let's waste no more time. Let's talk about important questions after week three of the Packers season. So after every game, I feel like there are questions. I feel like we, you know, there are things that we are wondering about going forward. You could say, are they storylines for week week four? Maybe, maybe not. Um, some of them I think are more like, you know, broader. Some, some of them I think are more pointed. Uh, the first one I think might make our storyline or important rankings this week. Um, and it is, can Josh Nyman play right guard? So there's been a discourse about Royce Newman. I think if you look at a different Packer Twitter member or Packer Twitter Packer analyst who spends all their time talking Packers on Twitter, some feel like Royce Newman is the weak link. Some feel Royce Newman is just fine. Uh, so the question is where do the Packers lean on that sort of thing? And it's pretty clear that Josh Nyman is their sixth best, but he's probably their fifth best lineman. So the the assumption is like, why can't Josh move the right guard or push Elton Jenkins in. Okay, uh, I don't usually do as a former lineman because I haven't played in over 10 years, but I do know I do understand lineman concepts. Like that just doesn't go away. You don't just forget that shit, okay? So as a former lineman, I will tell you that it's not that easy to just go ahead and assume that you can play right guard. It is a different setup. It is a different concept. You know, as a tackle, you have an ability to sort of use a longer leg kick. When you're a guard, you have to kind of just drop back. Like you, you don't necessarily go to your, you know, angle. You drop right back, right? It, it, or you hold that line. The other thing too is like you are relied on to run the football. You're also dealing with bigger guys, just in general. Like you're not dealing with edge rushers, you're dealing with the big hog mollies. For example, if you were a tackle facing the Green Bay Packers, you're dealing with Rashawn Gary or Preston Smith. If you're a guy inside, you're dealing with Kenny Clark, Jaren Reed, Dean Lowry. Like those are like, that's just a different sort of concept and are you strong enough to do that? Now, I think Josh Iman probably could handle his own But I think it's going to take time. If they want to make Josh Nyman the right guard, I think you're going to see multiple weeks of practice before they unveil that Josh Nyman's the right guard. And, you know, Zach Tom is very talented. I I don't know if we saw enough from Zach Tom in week one to know if Zach belongs there. Remember, there was an injury last year and John Runyon, well, it was Elton Jenkins, but John Runyon has never really gave up the left guard position. Like, that has been... John Runyon's position pretty much from the get-go and John Runyon has taken that and ran. Now you're wondering could Zach Tom be similar, right? Could Zach Tom be a similar position at the right guard position? I'm not, I'm not sure, honestly. Like I I like Zach Tom. I think Zach Tom's going to be a good player. I just don't know if it's it's year one. Like I, I have no idea on that. So I do think that Nyman is not necessarily a right guard. I understand the complaints about Royce Newman, I think I'm more on the side of they should go with their best lineman, their best available. Matt Lafleur did say that, but it's a tall task for Nyman to make this adjustment, and I don't think it's going to be as smooth as everybody thinks it is. And on top of that, the Patriots who they're playing this week. Like that that is a good interior line. Like Christian Barrymore is probably one of their best defensive players. You could argue Barrymore might be their one of their few blue chip guys. So to have to deal with Barrymore in your first game sort of playing right guard, that's a massive task. And then if you add on to the Giants the following week, Dexter Lawrence is no is no schlub. Like Dexter Lawrence is a pretty solid player in the middle. So like to deal with both of those players, like that's that's a tall, tall task, man. Like that's that's not something that you just immediately take the ball and run with. Like so, I am I am on the can of the the side of let's just stick with Neiman. If it, or sorry, let's say with Newman, not Neiman. Newman, Neiman. So stick with New, Newman. If Nyman feels like he can play right guard, let's see it in a couple of weeks in practice, and maybe that's something week six against the Jets that you're seeing Josh Nyman play that role and but you also you know you never know maybe Bakhtiari needs another week to sort of be a good you know be good maybe he needs another rotational week I think the Packers would like to get away from that but I know that that's going to be something that they want to work on, and that they want to get David to full strength. We'll see if he's going to be a full go this week. Another question that I believe Packer fans might have after week three, should Jair, Jair Alexander move to the nickelback? Okay, this is a very interesting conversation because Jair Alexander just got paid a ton of money. Uh, $70 million, $70 million man, guaranteed money, most guaranteed money I believe that a cornerback has. Jackie Alexander should play nickelback. I realize that is a very expensive nickelback, but I think they should do it in the nicest way possible because a nickelback can, you know, the connotation for corners is that, oh, I'm the third corner, that I am the third corner. I am not as good as the guys on the outside. And they get it sensitive about it. Like cornerbacks are not as big a divas as wide receivers, but they're right fucking there, right? Like they are. They are a tier below running backs. Also in that mix. I mean, we could do a tap list, which we haven't done in forever, but we could do a tap list of diva positions in the NFL. And I, I quarterbacks have moved up there, but I, I do think at quarter, not corner, quarterbacks. I, I do think are up there. So you have to be careful. Like Jair has an ego. Like he is built like this. John Money personality. I think he had an Instagram after their win against the Bears, and he said only comment with the money sign or the island sign. So like he takes pride in being an island defender. That said, Rasul Douglas and Eric Stokes on the outside are fucking a pain in the ass to deal with. Eric Stokes did not even get thrown on by Tom Brady. Tom Brady left Eric Stokes alone. It was a very Jair performance from Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes held everybody in check. Brady never looked his way. Eric Stokes was dominant in that football game. And then Rasul Douglas, who has kind of struggled a little bit in that nickel spot, Russell Douglas was great on the outside because he's a motherfucker to deal with when it comes to the physical side of it and while that's not Jair's mo Jair's more more about the quickness and the speed Jair should just rove man like just have Jair play the Charles Woodson position I think there has to be a relationship still with Aaron Rodgers and Charles Woodson get Charles Woodson on the phone with Jair, have that conversation, explain to Jair how important it was to play this position, the Super Bowl year, they, I mean, Woodson was a a borderline defensive player of the year in that role, like, let that happen again. Like, use Jair as, you know, a guy who's just finding the middle of the field and being just a pain in the ass and not necessarily taking the guys in the slot. And maybe it's a, all right, we assign Jair to a receiver, and then basically we, we figure it out from there. So if Jair is playing on the outside, we move Rasul in because let's just take next week. Uh, Devontae Parker is uh, just Kobe Meyer. Joey Myers banged up, but if Joey Meyer is playing, like, it, it, Patriots are hard to do this example with. Uh, let's take a better team. Uh, Okay, so the Jets in a couple weeks, probably probably a better example. So the Jets in a couple weeks, Garrett Wilson, right? The new young receiver. Garrett Wilson, that's Jair's guy. Jair takes Garrett Wilson. Everybody else has the other responsibilities and that's kind of how they go forward. I don't know, I don't know what they're gonna do, but it's pretty clear to me that the best way of this defense, how this defense really thrives, is having Jair in that nickel position. Now we'll see what happens this week. I don't expect Shire to play. Granted, it's gonna be against Axel Brian Foley. Uh, by the way, I don't think any of us knew that Axel was his real name. Uh, his real name's Axel. Uh, but anyways, I <laughs> I don't know why you would call yourself Brian if your first name's Axel. Like Axel is such a badass fucking name, but that's here nor there. But yeah, I, I'll be very curious to see what happens with the two guys on the outside because. I think that's what is the best case for the Packers, but you pay Jair all this money. I I do think there, I was almost gonna write is Jair worth the money, but that's way too much of an overreaction at this point. Next question, will Romeo Dobbs win Rookie of the Year? I don't know, man, it's early. Um, Dobbs is doing some really fun stuff, like his numbers early on, like the early trajectory of what Dobbs has been doing. The only guys last, you know, that fourth round or lower in the draft, Steve Largent and Marquise Colston. Both Steve Largent Hall of Famer and Marquise Colston had a really solid career with the New Orleans Saints. That That's elite company to be a part of if you are Dobbs. The question is, will he carry it over? Will it continue? I also saw someone, I think it was Alicia Tursky, who's a great follow on Twitter, uh, point out that Dobbs and Amro St. Brown basically had similar faults. Like Amro St. Brown should have never fell to the fourth round the year prior, which also a big miss by the Green Bay Packers. Like they should have definitely drafted St. Brown over Mario Rodgers. That's one that I think we probably don't give Brian Gutekunst enough shit for, but that was a miss in in a grand scheme of things. So I'm looking at that, and I I think it's one of those things where. I have to consider Dobbs to be a a talented player. I don't know if it's a, a rookie of the year campaign. He obviously is going to have that opportunity, and if you are with Aaron Rodgers, if you have that ability to be with one of the best quarterbacks in football, maybe you elevate yourself to rookie of the year status. There will be a lot of talented rookies. The wide receiver group is off to a hot start. Drake London has looked great for Atlanta. Uh, Garrett Wilson had his moment in week two. He's still, you know, productive. You know, last week as well. Uh, Chris Olave broke out last week. Uh, you had, who's the other guy I'm thinking of? Oh, shit. Uh, that had a really solid solid first couple weeks. Not sure. Brees Hall has been okay. Nothing nothing really special yet from Brees. But, I, I mean, they're going to be guys who come through and have big moments. But right now, I would look at it and say Dobbs is in the running but he has a ton of competition with guys like London, Wilson, and Lave, who all seem to be popping off. Traylon Burks actually had a, a game, I think two weeks ago against against Buffalo, even though it was meaningless because they got blown out. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm buying stock yet on Romeo Dobbs winning rookie of the year. Moving on to, I believe our last question. Oh no, I have two more questions. Do the safeties still, still scare you? That was a mouthful. Yes, Uh, so I started out this year and I was like, hey, I'm a little worried about the safeties. Uh, You know, after week one, I was really worried about the safeties. After week two, I didn't really feel that much better about them. I feel a little bit better about, I mean, I think Savage would have intercepted that two point conversion. Uh, I think Adrian Amos played a little bit better, but I I still like not fully bought in that the safeties aren't the weak, weak, weak link of this team. I just need to see it, see it a little bit more, and maybe, maybe we will. Maybe Amos and Savage play really well against the next few weeks. But then I'm also going to wonder: is it just the competition, right? The next big test for Green Bay is the Buffalo Bills in about a month. Um, that to me is a huge measuring stick game for Green Bay. Now you obviously have to take care of business against teams you should. Like there's no reason. Green Bay should lose any game before that Buffalo Buffalo one. Now you could, right? It's NFL. Any given Sunday, uh, it's rare the Packers have weird losses. Um, they it just doesn't seem like that happens during the rodgers Lafleur era. Um, I I think the Chargers won in 2019 was maybe the only example that I could point to where I'm like, yeah, that was a weird loss. That Vikings loss was weird uh, in 2020, but that was so wind dated because of the the way the stadium was. And in fact, that was an empty stadium. Packers, I don't think lose that game if it, was, if it was a full stadium that day. But anyways, I, I look at it and I don't see a ton of weird losses from Green Bay. And so as long as they take care of business, as long as they do what they're supposed to, they should only have one loss heading into that Buffalo game in whatever that is, week seven, week eight. Um, And I I think there's there's a real opportunity there to make a statement and it's not gonna be an easy one. I definitely look at that as a potential scheduled loss. I don't feel good about that game heading into it, but I think the safeties could really show me something in that and could really show me that they are better than I think they are. And I, I've i put them, you know, maybe higher on a pedestal than I should. So I do think that Amos and Savage have a chance to sort of, you know, elevate themselves in the next couple of weeks against lesser competition. And hopefully that translates to when Buffalo, when they had the Buffalo in, in a fee, in about a month. Last question, do you feel better, worse, or the same about this team? I feel the same. Uh, and when I say I feel the same it doesn't mean that I feel like I, I was negative heading into the season I thought this was Super Bowl team I, I still think this is a Super Bowl team I think their defense is great I, I think it's what we thought it would be it's as advertised uh, through three weeks of the season I realized the Justin Jefferson thing is kind of stands out but I think everybody can agree now that it looks like a blip on the radar versus something that is going to happen every time you know Green Bay goes up against an elite wide receiver. So I, I'm not ready to say that's a concern. Um, I think offensively, yeah, I wish it was better, but I don't necessarily freak out about that. I'm giving it like six weeks before we're having a conversation on this podcast about what's wrong with this offense, all right? So I still think this is a Super Bowl team. If I were to do like a quick power rankings of the NFC, I think Philly's a, a slightly better uh, but again, I, I think you could make a case. Like, you need to see Philly against a real team. Like the Vikings were basically a Lions fourth down decision away from one and two. And how good are the Vikings really? And Philadelphia, who did they dust in week one? Who's that again? Who did they play in week. Oh, Lions. Well, I think the Lions fringe playoff team. Like, they are better than I expected than I expected. Like I was like, fade the Lions, fade the Lions, you know, at the start of this year. I was wrong about that. Like the Lions to me, are going to be a frisky bunch. Uh, The fact they're six-point favorites against Seattle is ridiculous stuff. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, I am taking the Seahawks in that game. That's a definite Seahawks wager uh, for sure. Because I I think the Seahawks are frisky enough against kind of teams who are at that tier of where the Lions are. And I I think with the Lions, like – so anyways, uh, back to the Packers and where where we sit. I still like the Eagles are in one for me. I want to see the Eagles against a little bit better competition. But I'd slap the Packers too. I think the Packers are in kind of their own tier with the Eagles. And then I think it's the Rams, the Buccaneers. I'd still throw the 49ers in there. I know they struggled against Denver, but I'd still throw the 49ers into that mix. Um, I don't know who else. Um, if I have to look at this. Let me pull up the Sandy now, see, I'm getting myself distracted. and This is how a 35-minute podcast turns into, like, a 45-minute because I'm like, all right, let's just do – let's just knock out a quick power rankings. Let me pull up an NFL, the NFL standings right? real quick. Other teams that I would put in that – kind of that mid-tier uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The 49ers for sure. How Would you put the Cowboys there? I – Look, man, I don't know. I, I think you might have to. Like, I know everyone's like, oh, Michael McCarthy's going to lose his job. Like, this defense is legit. Like, I, I, they, they took care of business against Joe Burrow. They take care of business against a Giants team that's not that good. But still, you're on the road. You're in New York. You're with a young quarterback. Usually that second start for backup does not work out that well. And then there you go. And now they play the Commanders, who I told you guys yesterday, I feel like are the worst team in the NFC and they could easily be three and one. That's wild, that's absolutely nuts that they are they are going to be three and one uh, heading into a game against the Rams in week five. And Dak Prescott feels like he could play in that week and I think the Cowboys are gonna have a conversation with Dak and be like, hey, you don't need to rush this, bud. Like, take your fucking time. Like, no, no way do you need to worry about this. And then if I think overall NFL, i i think the i think you know the bills are in their own tier i don't know about the chiefs um i'm not i'm not ready to crown the chiefs i feel a little bit worse about the chiefs after week after week three so i i think the bills are kind of in their own tier and i'd lump the chiefs in with the eagles um and the dolphins in there at this point Uh, with the Packers, and I'd probably actually throw the Jaguars in there, as crazy as that sounds. I'm very curious. Jaguars-Eagles Jaguars, game is going to tell us a lot about both teams. I do like Jags also in that one. That's another line that's completely out of control. The Jaguars are like seven and a half point dogs. I think that'll come down as the week goes on. All right, let's move on to the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers are facing St. Louis Cardinals tonight, Uh, Adrian Hauser versus Miles Mikolas. The Brewers are almost out of losses. Uh, The Brewers can't lose many games uh, going forward. Uh, It's not at run the table status, shout out Aaron Rodgers, uh, but it's getting close. And the Brewers need to keep winning every night and need to hope that teams like the Padres or the Phillies don't. And the Brewers can find themselves into the playoffs, into that final, final spot. Be kind of an incredible accomplishment just considering how bad it was for the Brewers in August, but they are trying to join this dance. The question that I have for the people is Are the Brewers the most disappointing team in Major League Baseball? It's a great question, and the case for it is the fact that the Milwaukee Brewers were considered a top five team to start the year. That they were considered a potential fringe World Series contender, and that they had maybe the best young pitching staff in all of baseball. And then had the assumption of Christian Yelich returning the MVP form. You had Andrew McCutcheon, Willie Adamas had a breakout year last year. That it could all really work out for the Brewers and they won 96 or 97 games last season. So why couldn't they replicate that success? with almost their exact same roster. Oh yeah, Josh Hader too, by the way, and Devin Williams. They had everything. And so it seemed like the Brewers were going to be a top team in Major League Baseball, and they fell flat on their fucking face. So does that lead to being the most disappointing team? The case against it is that there are some other teams that deserve to be in that mix. The Chicago White Sox were very bad all season. Like the Chicago White Sox were a disaster- from jump Street. Like they, they did not even start hot. None, nothing about the Chicago White Sox season was good. It stunk from the get-go. Tony La Russa looked out of touch. He will not be in baseball next year. And I do expect a good bounce back for this White Sox team if they hire Miguel Cairo, who was good, but then you saw similar things, you know, in September where the White Sox would get, you know, they get hot. And then they, they just fall off a cliff. And then the Guardians sort of, you know, they've won like 17 in their last 20. They are absolutely on fire right now. Uh, Cleveland, don't sleep on Cleveland in the playoffs. I know everybody's ready to write in Houston, New York. Cleveland's going to give New York a series if they if they advance. Like they play Seattle, who Seattle's kind of limping into the playoffs. They're going to get in because there's no real competition. Uh, Baltimore has kind of faded uh, in the last few weeks. Like they would need a miracle for Baltimore to get in and Cleveland's gonna get a Seattle team that's kinda limping. Then they could face a Yankees team and I like Tony Terry Francona knows how to play the Yankees in the postseason, he's a great fucking manager. They are the youngest team in baseball, you could argue. They just kind of don't know better. Like, Cleveland just has dudes. Like, I like Josh Naylor. like Jose Ramirez, uh, Shane Bieber, good pitcher, Cal Contrillo. Like, they got a, Emmanuel Chase, their bullpen guy. Like, they got a team. Like, don't sleep on Cleveland. Like, I, I, I'm not saying I'll put a future on Cleveland, but I, I just would not sleep on the Guardians at all this season. But anyways uh here nor there that was a, a side tangent from the White Sox because the, yeah the White Sox weren't good like the White Sox were just bad like even if the Guardians were as good as we talked about like the White Sox should have at least been a wild card team like the White Sox should have been where you, where you have Seattle or even where the Rays are like the White Sox have that much talent Dylan see having a Cy Young year they they had they had all the pieces and it just did not seem like they had the structure so they definitely deserve to be nominated. The Giants of San Francisco, the Giants were a 107 win team this year, and I I don't know if they're even going to get to 80 80 wins this year. So it's hard for me to look at the Giants and not think that they are a massive disappointment. Is Gabe Kapler the baseball Scott Skiles, where it works at the start and then it, it kind of wears on guys because it seems like that might be might be the case here. The Giants right now who are eliminated, for, or not necessarily technically eliminated from playoff contention, that's kind of crazy. Uh, they have 75 wins. So there's a slight chance that the Giants could could get to 80, 80 wins, but still they're gonna be a 500 baseball team after winning 107 games. That to me is like, are, is this the version of the Giants and they just play over their head last season? But yes, that to me has to be a disappointment because you expect the Giants to compete with the Dodgers and Padres, and they just didn't. The bottom completely fell out of that team. Lastly, I would put the Red Sox in there. Again, another playoff team, another team who was in the dance last year. The bottom fell out there, you know, whether it was their pitching staff, whether it was just the uncertainty of whether to pay guys like Xander Bogart's, Raphael Devers. Uh, Alex Cora, I think, you know, is a good manager, but they just did not have the pitching at all this season. They are going to also struggle to probably win 80 games. They're 72 and 81. They're eliminated from the playoffs. It is quite the fall from grace from last year for the Red Sox. uh, Chaim Bloom does not know what he's doing, I think. He, like, wants to run it like the Rays, but he's also a major market. I would not be surprised if Chaim gets – eliminated from his position that would not That would not shock me but so then those are our four nominees so if we we're if this is like the oscars and we're doing those three teams and i, I would probably put the tigers in there like i so if we're doing it like the, the oscars or or the golden globes you usually need five so let's just throw tigers in there as sort of that weird nominee, because Tigers, I think everybody thought would take a step up. They take a step back. They've only won 60 games this season. They've been, they have not been good good baseball team. But, anyways, so if we, if we were to have those five teams, I think it's still the White Sox. The Brewers are close, man, but I think it's the White Sox just because they've been bad all year. The Brewers showed some promise and had some p- injuries with their pitching staff. That's, I think. What you point to, where like it was not the full squad all season, the White Sox were pretty much that full squad all year. They never really seemed to, you know, kind of level up and get to that level. The Brewers had a good start and then it kind of fell apart. And I think that the White Sox deserve to the crown of most disappointing, but the Brewers are certainly in that conversation. And I think the case could be made for the Brewers, but I am going to make it for the Chicago White Sox. All right, really quickly before we get to Chuck's Corner, uh, I really am thankful for the Milwaukee Bucks. Like the media day across the NBA was just wild on on Wednesday, or Monday, excuse me. Uh, I keep thinking it's not Tuesday. Uh, it felt like yesterday felt like a forever day, probably because I did more moving, which I'll talk about at Chuck's Corner. Uh, but I, looking at it and I'm like, God, I'm just really glad that, We have a team that's very stable, that likes each other, that isn't trying to tell the media what they aren't. Um, There was just so much weird shit uh, from Media Day on Monday. You had Jimmy Butler and his fake dreads, uh, which I don't think Jimmy Butler will wear during the season. I think Jimmy Butler was just being kind of a goon, which is kind of what Jimmy Butler does. Um, He called P.J. Tucker a traitor. Uh, I spot no lies. Um, As I said, Tucker's a mercenary, man. Uh, he just goes after the money and rings and sees what he can do. You had Kevin Durant, who called out people on Twitter, even though it's exactly what Kevin Durant said. Uh, and- <laughs> Like it's like, what are we doing here? Anthony Davis talking about how he has a chip on his shoulder. It's like, how many fucking years, Anthony? Do we have to hear this? The Suns having no idea what's going on with Sarver. Suns are not going to be good this year. You want to fade a team? You fade the Suns. I think that is a ultimate fade. I think that's an early fade this season. I think that's one you can get on early and often. Um, I think that will that will be good. James Harden talking about losing weight. That one's not as as bad as the others but I'm just thankful that the Bucks aren't this dysfunctional unit like there is nothing dysfunctional about the Milwaukee Bucks, absolutely nothing and so that makes me happy and you know Giannis being humble in his own right saying you know I'm not the best player in the world because I didn't win the title that's Steph Curry Steph Curry belongs that and Steph said I thought the same thing when Giannis won it so there's some mutual admiration there um so there's some batting of the eyes if Steph wants to come to Milwaukee like Milwaukee's great. Like we, have, you know, the golf courses we have in Milwaukee stuff. Like I, I know you can't play them the entire year, but like, Aaron Hills, you have Whistling Straits, you have Sand Valley, you have Century World. Like, there's a lot there for you stuff. Like, just think about it. <laughs> but anyways, no, seriously, I I just like the fact that the Bucks are head down, focused, ready to go, um, not really puffing their chest out about anything, just business business like. And it's crazy that we're going to have NBA basketball in about three weeks. Uh, I know there's the first preseason game this weekend against the Grizzlies at the Fiserv Forum, uh, which will be cool to see the Fiserv back in all its glory from uh, the month of May. It doesn't sound like we'll have Chris Middleton back to start the season, uh, which will be an adjustment, but it's also what the Bucks started out this se- last year. And I, I think I can make a case And we're going to do early season storylines with Mitch um, on the thursday's pod or i don't know what if thursday or friday but anyways we're going to do storylines with mitch and i guess what i would say is it you could argue it's an okay thing to have middleton be out for a while just to get everybody familiar with each other and that you know just be like all right this is what happens if we lose one of our guys how do we how do we sort of fix this how do we sort of get better there won't be as much of a reliance on Giannis because it's the early part of the season I don't want the Bucs to coast into this. Like I, I really don't. I want the Bucs to be the one seed. I want the Bucs to kind of show that revenge season. I do think regular season is important. I think it's it's kind of one of those things where it's, a, it's kind of a sliding scale. I think the first 10 games, I can't take stuff too seriously. But after 10 games, I need to start seeing some things that are good in the right direction. I don't want to freak out about every game. I'm going to try hard not to. But I do think we need to see, you know, good stuff continually from the Bucs. You have bad nights. You have outline shooting nights where a team shoots 25 threes, but beat the teams you're supposed to. You know, beat those where you might have tiebreaker situations, and hopefully that results in a one seed because that's what I think the Bucks' motivation should be. I think. They've seen enough that says if they were the one seed last year, if they had pushed it a little bit harder, that they would probably have been in the conference finals. And I don't know if Middleton, you know, there's so many hypotheticals there. But I I really do think they're in the conference finals if they have Chris Middleton. Do do they beat Boston without Chris Middleton in another round? I don't know. And I don't know if they get Chris Middleton back. I don't think they do, um, but you never know. So we'll have to see. But anyways, I am very thankful for no dysfunction. All right, Little Chuck's Corner. Uh, just skip some things that I'm jamming on, personal life updates. Uh, first of all, the response to the Milwaukee Pod. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate the kind words. I felt like I sounded like a pussy, honestly, and I was told no uh, by multiple people. Uh, so I appreciate all the kind words. It really means a lot to me. Uh, it's really special. Uh, that so many of you uh, reach out. Um, some people who I haven't talked to in a while reach out, like that's, that's really awesome. Um, and I'll try to promote more, I guess is my uh, my thing, but I also don't want to promote when it's just sports adjacent. Um, when it's not sports, I think then there's a little more of a meaning there and more people would be interested in what I'm sort of talking about. And so, I really appreciate you know everybody reaching out on that, and if you haven't listened, uh, go back and go back and take a listen. I'd I'd appreciate it. One of our more popular podcasts in the last month, Angelo you know, got a windfall of that. Also, the Tab of the Kev Boys. Um, we also got a a good a good number last week, probably one of our best numbers in recent memory. So thank you for that. Uh, thank you all for the listens too. I mean September's been an awesome month for us. So we're really hitting our stride. Um, it seems like. We're, we're figuring out what works for you guys. And I apologize for some of the later podcasts uh, just because of uh, moving. I hope that that's, this is like the last week where that's going to be a factor. And speaking of that, uh, moving's just a pain in the ass, man. Like I just, I'm so like ready to just have my normal routine, go to the gym, figure it out. Like the gym's 10 minutes away from me now. Um, it's a drive. Like I, that part I'm not ready for. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a, ease it into the day sort of person uh, but yeah I, um, I'm i gonna figure it out and we're gonna make it work and I don't know if it means taking a shower there I don't really like taking showers outside of my own shower but maybe that makes the most sense just considering that it, it shortens up the time a little bit but yeah I uh, not necessarily ready exactly for gym life but I also know I need to get back into the gym because if I don't um, I will be a doughboy and I've had that happen to me during times of change where I just stop I stop working out I eat the same and then I balloon and I'm like oh shit um, I needed to keep in the gym so don't necessarily want to get the fat face back before holiday season when a bunch of pictures as always are taken last thing um, this is unrelated to anything about me but just something I care about I thought it was interesting that Eagle Park bought the IP from Milwaukee Brewing. I think that's actually cool. Uh, That's something that makes you know advances the city, pushes the city forward. I I do think that Eagle Park should try to fix some of the Milwaukee Brewing. Um, It's sort of fallen on deaf ears. I think there's stuff that you could do. You could advance it. You could try different things. Like I think OG is such an interesting beer concept and. I think the only thing they did was add gin to it. I think you could do a lot more. Similarly with Louis' demise, I know they have Louis' resurrection, which is a bourbon barrel, but like, I think you could do more with that. I, I, I'm just very curious to see if Eagle Park sort of takes it to another level. Like if they look at it and say, this is a you know sort of sleepy giant, because I, I do think it is. And I'll be curious to see if Eagle Park can kind of revive Milwaukee Brewing and sort of make Milwaukee Brewing into what it was like if I were them I would do I would whatever they get their tap house which they said they're looking at getting a tap house for Milwaukee Brewing I would bring back the open house like the open house to me was a top tier Saturday activity that went away for reasons unknown they got their new fancy facility and then it really wasn't a thing like open house for those who are unfamiliar or younger the open house was five to seven on Saturday. You could drink as much as you want for $15. And you, you got a tour if you wanted, but you could just drink beers. That's all you could do. And that was awesome. Like it was great. We, it was really, really fun to just enjoy basically Eagle Park Brewing. You, you could only drink three like high volume beers, but you'd come out of that and you were fucking blessed and it was just it set the tone for the rest of the night um and it, it made for some really fun nights um out in the city of milwaukee so bring back the open house eagle park um i'm trying to think is there any beers that, that mke had that i that i i would seek out i i haven't i haven't sought out an mke brewing beer in a long time they did say the can the bottles were going away which is a huge thing i think everybody's in cans these days um, nobody really has bottles um, it's very few, very few few breweries right now that are doing the bottles. Um either it's the glass like my guys at 1840 do, or it's the cans. So yes, um, I am curious to see, you know, what comes of Eagle Park, but it should be should be fun. I can't wait. I'm excited. I hope they, like I said, I hope they kind of, you know, no pun intended with Louis Resurrection, but I hope they resurrected a little bit. I hope they make MKE a little more fun. You know, they add a few more things, maybe some collaborations with stuff they do in Eagle Park and sort of push that ball forward because they've they've been known to do that. Uh, They've had some innovative stuff. I think Eagle Park has gotten a little more commercial um, than they did in the past, but at the same time, like Eagle Park still still deserves their spot. Like they're still a a very important beer company in our society and in what we do um, in the city of Milwaukee all right that does it for us we'll be back tomorrow uh i think mitch on thursday or friday uh, so stay tuned for that and yeah we'll uh we'll have a good one and we'll talk storylines tomorrow see you guys bye